But here's the thing with formal education. Formal education is great if you want to learn subject matter knowledge. They teach you all the history of the knowledge, the technical aspects of the knowledge. So it's like you're collecting data points, right? But the formal education system does not teach you how to answer important questions in life, like who am I and what's important to me. It doesn't. It also does not teach you how to take all those data points, the knowledge you've collected. It doesn't teach you how to organize it, how to repackage it, and offer it into invaluable wisdom that you can get paid top dollars for in the marketplace. This is the Angles of Latitude podcast, session number one sixty one, with career educator and reinventionist Dr. Grace Lee. What you're about to hear is the integration of life. Clarity is power. If you live each day as if it was your last, someday you'll most certainly be right. Liberty. We choose to go to the moon. It's happening. And all things geek. Yeah, I'm not sure I know how to answer that. Uh, You got a badass over here. Welcome to the Angles of Latitude podcast. Hey, girls and guys, thank you for joining us for this particular session of the AOL podcast. I'm your host, JC Preston, and with me as co-host is Veronica Kieran. And if this is the first time you're listening in, this is the show where we bring you life lessons or a message from successful entrepreneurs, experts, athletes, and artists. And it's our hope that it will help you find and execute your own personal mission and live a lifestyle that you're proud of. And gang, if you can't tell by my voice, we're in November. And I'm suffering from the remnants of a week-long flu. But can you believe it? 2019 has flown by so quickly. You know, personally, for me, I think a big part of it was sped up simply because Maria and I were waiting for, for J3 to be born. But professionally, how have things changed? Well, I'd like to think that they definitely have. You know, one of the biggest eureka moments that I had this past year was dialing into my sweet spot and realizing that my biggest strength it really is helping people uh, scale their businesses through technology. And I always kind of had that in the back of my mind, but you know, it was just kind of a little bit out of reach, but definitely realized that within the last six months and uh, business is doing well. So I got to ask you, how about you? Uh, do you feel like you've achieved much this year? And heck, for that matter, do you feel like you've achieved much this particular decade? Because really, we only have two months of this particular decade left, gang. And if you don't feel like you're you're anywhere better than you were a year or 10 years ago, it, it, it's to stop going around in circles. It's time for a change. And when I mean a change, I mean a real change. But if that's the case, you're, you're in luck. And in this session, Veronica and I had the opportunity to chat with Dr. Grace Lee who's been helping people make their own big career changes for the last 10 years. Like most of us, she started out doing what society expected her to do, go to school, get a good job, et cetera, et cetera. However, when she was working on her PhD back in the day, she realized that there were some questions about herself that she still had. So, you know, she set out on a search to find those particular answers. And some of the things that she's picked up along her journey that we'll be learning about today is what we should expect and not expect from formal education. Uh, we also talk about what are some secrets to our long-term success 
and why she isn't a fan of the advice of following your passion. But before we get to that, I want to remind you guys of the Uncover Your Personal Mission Guide. And as I just alluded to, in this chat, you'll be finding out why Grace doesn't care much for the advice of following your passion. And the way that she breaks it down makes sense. Simply put, when it comes to finding your calling in life, many of us focus on this world called passion. And that's where people do get into trouble. We focus on something that's fleeting, which could easily change and might not just be of value to other people. And finding what you should be doing for a career requires you to dig a little bit deeper. It requires you to find not only your passion, but your purpose and your process. And then again, you have to figure out your profit, which is a completely different thing altogether. Just like when you're traveling, if you don't know where you are, then it's going to be hard to get to where you want to be. And so uncover your personal mission, again, personal mission being the three of the four, passion, purpose, and process, it was my goal to help you guys figure out where exactly you're at. And you'll find questions that will help you determine what these three Ps are. And that way you don't get lost trying to be someone else when you're building your business. You can grab the resource for free today at newinceptions.com slash personal mission guide. Again, that's newinceptions.com slash personal mission guide. All right, before we get started with Grace, remember to subscribe to the show on whichever platform you're listening on. Don't forget, we want to hear more from you guys, so leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or shoot us an email at guys at newinceptions.com with any current issues that you're going through while you're building and scaling your business. Again, that's guys at newinceptions.com. Show notes and show note extras of the show can be found at newinceptions.com slash 161. And as usual, I'll be on at the end of the show to fill you in on anything we might have missed. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. This is JC Preston and with me is Veronica. I'm now in LA. Karen, Veronica, how you doing? How's the, <laughs> I, how's the scenery change? I've got my permatan. It's wonderful. <laughs> oh yeah? Already? Yeah. yeah, apparently so. People have been noticing. But no, it's beautiful. It's been, um, of course, really fun to be outside and go hiking, go to the beach. But um, I, I had the theory that I would be able to meet um, hustlers and movers and shakers a lot easier out here. And uh, e- even with that theory in place, my mind has been blown. So it's been really fun uh, building the network out here. Cool. Cool. And there's yeah. a lot of different events that you've been uh, plugging into, I'm mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. And some people might be good podcast guests candidates so we will see awesome love it love it again you were talking about uh moving out there and the reason why you did that is simply Mm -hmm. because it more gives you more opportunity and Mm -hmm. it allows you to be more successful in what what you're doing um however one of the things that continues to frustrate me and i was just listening to a podcast this past week where mike Rowe was on yeah me i'm listening to podcasts who does that but Mike Rowe, he was talking about, uh, he, he has this quote that I've heard him say before, and, it's, and he says, it's not about following your passion, it's about your passion following you and, and the work that you're doing. And personally, I think that when you're finding your, your, your personal mission, which is actually part of the Ikigai, which I've gone into that and in, in blog posts, which if mm. you haven't read the blog post, it's huge in finding out what kind of career and business will work for you. I mean, even Gary Vee talks about it. If, if you want to have a sustainable business, you need to have an interest in that business. Yeah. You have to care. You have to care. Exactly. 
so today's guest is actually going to be shining a little bit of light on this subject for us. And she has actually a 10-year background helping professionals accelerate their own careers. And in fact, her own journey started when by the age of 10, she found herself orphaned and homeless. However, that situation actually provided her the resiliency and resourcefulness to survive and thrive. Today, she finds herself as the founder of Mastery Insights and the host of the Career Revisionist Show, where she heralds a movement of professionals who are creating inspired, purposeful, and abundant lives for themselves. Woo. Our guest is Dr. Grace Lee, who can be found at careerrevisionist.com. <laughs> Grace, thanks for coming on the show. How are you doing? I'm well, JC. I know that name was really difficult to pronounce, and I thought about that too, but I couldn't think of a better one. No, it's it, it, well, and, and the thing is, is that it's it's dead on. I mean, it, you look at it and you're like, I, I know what that is. So, right. That's great. It's great. Right. So, so where to begin? I mean, there's a lot of different places that we can go uh, with this conversation, but you know, having the background that you do, many would have bet against you and being successful in life, and so I'm kind of curious about how you turned again being orphaned around the age of 10, I, I can't even imagine that, being orphaned by the age of 10 and having this childhood drama that w- actually became the reason for your success and not so much the fuel for you becoming a victim of your surroundings. How did that, how did that work out? It didn't work out in the beginning. When, yeah, when, when, that, when that started for me, it really didn't, it wasn't working out. It was, it was my rock bottom. It was the darkest years of my life. And actually, it's true. Many, actually, everybody did bet against me. Everybody did, mm. you know, feel that I was not going to be successful. I was not going to make anything of my future. I wasn't going to become everyone. Everybody did bet against me. And for me, it was, for, for me, the response I had to that trauma was that I internalized it as a belief that I was not valuable. Mm. Oh, yeah. So that was how I exhibited that behavior. Everything was about me. I blamed myself. Oh, of course I'm. Of, of course nobody wants me because I'm not valuable. I am unlovable. That's why this is happening because it's me. It's all because of me. Mm-hmm. And I went through years of that struggle. And suffice to say that I I checked out of life. I gave up because I felt that it was hopeless. I felt that. Wow. I felt that there's no ch- there's no way there's no chance that I could have a possibility of a future because I'm I don't deserve one. No. Oh gosh, yeah. Yeah, so when you're in that when you're in that depression and and there were there was suicidalness about me as well. It was really really rock bottom cuz I I gave up and when you give up then that is like that mindset is one that you don't even want to try. Yeah. You know, so I went through, you know, nights, nights in a row where I felt like I didn't, I don't, I don't even know why I'm here, like living. I don't know why I'm alive because nobody wants me. And I'm so, I don't have nothing, I have nothing to give to this world. And I went through nights where I felt that, you know, I might as well just, just, just quit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if you don't feel, if you don't feel like you have value, then your work doesn't have value. You're, you have no purpose. Yeah, exactly. And at the age of 10, you know, I went through a few years like that. So as a child, this is like preteen child mm-hmm. into and then heading up to my preteen age. I see these children around me and I just kept wondering why, why can't I have value? 
you know, why, yeah. you know, and so it was this comparison and I see everybody appearing to be happy. And of course I, I assume that they were in all areas of their life. I assume that they were, and it was just like, well, I guess I just don't deserve to be loved. Mm. Yeah. Well, and, and, and it's interesting. I think, you know, for, for those of us who are a little bit older than your typical millennial or even your Gen Z, mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of us did have that happiness that you were talking about that you're you seeing other kids have. Yes. But, but I yeah. do think that a lot of the, the younger millennials and, and then Gen Z specifically, I, 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 I think there's, there's, there's something to be said about how they don't necessarily see their intrinsic value in yeah. what they're doing these days. I mean, a lot of them, again, we know that they're stuck in, in, in their heads in technology. Mm-hmm. Well, when you are on tech all the time, you are a drop in the bucket. You know, you're surrounded by thousands and thousands of other people, as opposed to when you're in your classroom, you're surrounded by maybe 10, 20, 30. And so it's easy to feel like your voice can't be heard on the internet because it's so vast. But then, as you're saying, it creates a diminishing yeah. um, internally, unfortunately. But yeah, it's true. But that that's two different. That's two separate issues because feeling happy and feeling special are very different things. And at the mm. core of it, at the core of it, we want to feel special. And that's about mm-hmm. and that's 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 why it hurts. And that's why it's painful when you feel like you can't be heard or you feel like there's hundreds of competitors there and you don't have a voice that comes back to the core of, well, people want to feel special. You know, beautifully put. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, I believe I strongly believe that happiness is a state of mind. Just like being wealthy is a state of mind. Being rich is a, mm-hmm. num- is a number in the bank account. Being rich is a number in the bank account. But being wealthy is a state of mind. It's very different from being yes. rich. And the same thing uh, about being happy. About being happy is a state of mind. But having possessions is a measure of how much you own. Mm. Right. Yes. So, so without that, yes. without that, um, that parental guidance, though, I mean, how did you get out of that funk? How did you, you know, decide that enough's enough? I'm tired of feeling sorry for myself. I need to do something about this because you talked. You were saying that you were feeling this way up through your teens, which I can relate. But it took me actually after I got out of college to figure out that you know I had to build my own life as opposed to go through what society put in front of me to, you know, be an accomplishment, so to speak. Yes. So what happened was I met an older couple. This was when I was 14. So as you can see, like four, four or five years already went by of me feeling hopeless and worthless. Mm-hmm. Right. So I experienced all mm-hmm. of that. And then when I was 14, I met an older couple. And at that time, they were probably in their 40s you know, mid to late forties at that time that I met them and they were very astute. So they, Mm. they, they noticed me and they basically came to me and they said, Grace, if you, if you need a place to stay, you can stay with us. Just like that. I've never seen them before that we were strangers to each other and they invited me to their house. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I literally followed them home and they, it was like a few blocks away. (laughs) So I followed them home and then to their house and it was this very modest a, a yellow wooden house very modest and up to the sidewalk mm. and then they led me into the kitchen the the main door went into the kitchen and right away to the staircase that was narrow with carpeted floors 
went up the staircase on the right was this really big bedroom. It was the biggest bedroom I've ever seen in my life at that so far with a bed in the middle. All walls were painted yellow. The ceiling was slanted, a huge bed in the middle. It was a, probably a, a queen size bed. And it was also oh. the biggest, a biggest bed I've ever seen. <laughs> and they put, they turned to me, the couple turned to me and they said, welcome home. You, uh, you can stay here for as long as you need you know and and it was just like that just like that i had a, uh, I had a place to stay and you know you would think in the moment that i would just be so grateful i would be relieved or, or all of those feelings but i wasn't because i didn't trust them yeah right and here i was 14 yeah. 14 standing in there not knowing whether or not they were sincere. I didn't trust that they were sincere. And I, I felt I had to stay on my toes in case I was asked to leave again and, you know, abandoned again. I was, I was always afraid. Right. right. So, yeah. So I didn't trust them and I didn't, and I refused to develop a relationship with them. I didn't want to get close to them in case they would hurt me. And I just kept them at an arm's length, but they allowed me to stay there. Mm. Yeah. And it was that, it was that, their persistence in giving me my space to figure out for myself, giving me my space to grow and to discover. And then two years of that went by of me not trusting them two years until I was 16. And it was literally a moment where I woke up in the morning and I heard the husband, so a husband and wife, and I heard the husband standing in the backyard talking to his neighbor. And there was one window in my bedroom that overlooked the backyard I went over to the window and I saw him there talking to the neighbor. And all that happened in that moment was I heard his voice for the first time talking. And the, the sound of his voice, I actually heard him. And that's different from just hearing, you know what I mean? And this, uh -huh. I, this time I really heard his voice. And I realized in that moment that he was sincere. Oh, both wow. of them, both of them were sincere and they were the real deal. They meant what they said that I could stay here for as long as I need. And that was when I trusted. And mm. that, and it's important to trust because in that moment, the floodgates of emotion opened up and I had tears of gratitude. Two years I had been staying in this house. They meant it all along and I had tears of gratitude. And gratitude is an important element. It sets the foundation for the state of mind of happiness. Sets the foundation, yeah. right? And so yeah. then I felt it for the first time in my life i felt that gratitude and that was when i ha and that was when i was no longer in survival mode and when you're not in survival mode anymore your mental capacity opens up to think about other things and that was the first time i started thinking about my own future mm. wow thank you for sharing that story with us it's powerful but it also demonstrates a lot of key points of learning for you that set you up for what you do today? Yeah, I, I have no problem sharing my story now. Although in the beginning I was ashamed of it. So I wouldn't, mm. I refused to share it or I would lie about it or, so, you know, tweak some details <laughs> because I just didn't want people to find out. Yeah. Right. But no, there's nothing to be ashamed of at all. It's a really important part of your journey. Mm -hmm. Right. So what, what actually inspired you? What so you here? You are you're you're still in your teens. What inspired you to go after your first career at this point? Now that you could actually think about your own future, what what was the the next 
checkpoint, so to speak. So I mentioned tears of gratitude, right? Mm -hmm. In that moment, I found my purpose and I wanted to give back to this couple. Mm. Right. It was like, I knew that I didn't have any financial support. So they, they provided me with, you know, a sense of belonging with a place to stay, but there was no monetary exchange. They didn't give me an allowance. There was no money that they gave me, which was, which was great because it allowed me to be resourceful. Right. So in that moment, when I, when I heard his voice and I had the tears of gratitude, I no longer wanted to give up on life. Suddenly I wanted to have a future. Suddenly I wanted a better life. And I wanted it so that I could make a living, be independent so I wouldn't have to, you know, be in that position again where someone could dictate my future, dictate my mm-hmm. life, right? I didn't I wanted to have more choices. So for me, that meant I needed to be independent. And I and I and I committed to myself that once I was and I could start to make my own living that I would give back to this couple. Mm. that's awesome because they gave me a second chance it was really Mm -hmm. they they saved my life they gave me a second chance so then how did you i mean can you tell us a little bit about your career journey because today you're helping others develop their careers um but there's i think more to it um how you got to this point of inspiring others as they are creating a pivot or change in their lives. Yes, absolutely. There is a story to it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we're all programmed at such an early age in our lives. Ever since birth, you know, before we, we, we enter grade school, we have programming. It comes from our parents. It comes from society. It comes from authorities like our teachers. Or if you go to church, it comes from church authorities. Mm-hmm. And one of those programmings, one of those messages we receive at a young age is if you want to have a good job in the future, you have to go to school and get good grades, right? So that is a very strong programming. All of us receive it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter your, your family's background or, or what country you live in or your ethnicity. You receive it. You hear that message. You want, a good, you want a chance at a good job in the future. If you want to be paid well, you have to go to school and get good grades. Right. And I re- so I received it too. You know, I, I'm, I'm originally from Hong Kong. I've received it even there that you have to go to school, get good grades. Asians are so, so, they so value education. And so this was my, this was my only, so, that, so then we grow up. And the only way we know how to build our future is to go to school and get good grades. And the same with me. I, I, that was the only thing I knew how. So here I was at 16, tears of gratitude. I want to be independent. I want to give back to this couple. The only thing I can think of was, oh, I got to go to school and get good grades. Right. And then, so, so then my next question was, how am I going to afford it? Because no one's paying for my tuition. And that's where I got, I had to get resourceful. And for me, it was another case of, I either do this or die trying. It was do or die. All, like my life up until that point was do or die. Oh man. Right. Yeah. <laughs> my whole You're life used to being in fight or flight mode. <laughs> yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So there was there's where resourcefulness came in because now I'm more powerful because I never I stopped giving up on life. So now it's fighting a good fight, fighting the good fight. How do I how do I get resourceful so I can come up with the money to pay for tuition and therefore get a good job, get good grades, get a good job and pay back to this couple. And that's where I learned about scholarships. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was do or die. I'm not in survival mode anymore. So I applied myself. I got the grades to earn the scholarships. And my first degree was completely covered. 
four years, all tuition paid. Good for you. That's how I afforded it. <laughs> right. It's hard work. I mean, that's not, that's absolutely nothing to sniff at. Now, if you're anything like me, you kind of, even at that point, I, I personally had a, a goal of, of going to grad school. Like my, both of my parents have their masters and it was always just, you know, writing that same wave that, you know, formal education is your ticket to success. You know, I was just like, well, the better my, my education is, the more opportunities that I'm going to have later in life. So mm-hmm. that's when I actually, you know, went into grad school, got the master's. But as I was going through grad school, I realized that it might not necessarily be the thing for me because I wanted to help think people with ideas and concepts, even at that point that aren't necessarily talked about in school. So I'm kind of curious. I mean, you're, you're, is this when you went to get your, your doctorate or did you do that later in life? Okay. So what happened was I got my first degree and it was still this programming, do well in school so you can get a good job. And here I was nearing graduation. I did the best I could in, in university to keep the scholarship. You have to maintain a certain GPA. I did that and beyond. Right. I even did an undergraduate dissertation and everything. And and so for me, I realized at a very early on, not during undergrad, but here's the thing with formal education. Formal education is great if you want to learn subject matter knowledge. Mm-hmm. They teach you all the history of the knowledge, the technical aspects of the knowledge. So it's like you're collecting data points, right? But the formal education system does not teach you how to answer important questions in life, like who am I and what's important to me? It doesn't. Mm-hmm. It also does not teach you how to take all those data points, the knowledge you've collected. It doesn't teach you how to organize it, how to repackage it, and offer it into invaluable wisdom that you can get paid top dollars for in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Right. So here totally. I am. Right. So here I am, undergrad. In my early 20s, I'm 21 now, and I'm thinking, oh, I'm graduating soon. What do I do? Oh, the next logical step, go to school, get good grades right. What happens Mm -hmm. after a bachelor's degree? A master's degree. And that's how I I decided. You just walk the walk. You just walk the Mm -hmm. walk. And the thing is, that's what I mean. Formal education doesn't teach you that. But there is continued programming that a bachelor's degree is a dime a dozen. You want to get a better job? Go for a master's. Mm-hmm. Right, yep. so the the programming only gets stronger when you get into the academic world, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I yep. felt and I fell for it, right? And so here I was uh, getting my master's degree, and I chose to do my master's in the UK. So I went um, to yeah. So here I am, got my master's, got accepted, and I'm in Edinburgh in Scotland, and I'm in the the best uh, program in the UK for neuroscience, right? And and <laughs> so I was counting my pennies. And I was like, okay, how much does tuition in the UK? Because I was not eligible for scholarships there. Mm. Yeah, because I'm not an EU citizen and I I don't have British passport. So I wasn't, I was not eligible for scholarships. So this was kind of scary. Counted my pennies. Yeah, (laughs) counted my pennies. The conversion rate for dollar currency and then the international student rate of master's degree. And I realized, oh my gosh, I only have enough money to survive there and pay for tuition for one year. Wow. So here's my next do or die moment. Okay. I have one year to finish my master's degree. It's do or die. (laughs) Okay. 
<laughs> go on. I did it in one year. <laughs> oh my God. I wow. did it in exactly 12 months, finished it and left before I ran out of money. Wow. <laughs> and, it was in, and so how do you think I decided on my PhD? Same, same reasoning. Yeah. Same reasoning. And you know, when you do that, it's a great way to procrastinate. It's a great way to put off career decisions when you do it that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And, that, and that's what I was running into. Uh, I was just yes. like, you know, I, I, here I was, I was just like, I know it took me six years for my undergrad because I had to switch majors right as I was a junior, which I don't recommend to anybody. Just, just get out with your, your, your bachelor's. Um, That's what I did. Yeah. And then it took me a little bit longer because I was actually working at the same time that I was doing my master's, um, here in the States. Uh, and I'm sure maybe it is else place other places as well. But for me, I was working as a graduate instructor while I was taking courses. So that paid for my grad school at Purdue. Um, But it was during that time because I was teaching in the entrepreneurship department that I was just like, if you want to get a doctorate in this, you need to go out and do your your own thing for 10 years and then come back. So, okay. Yeah, that's what I'll do. Interesting. I can resonate. I can resonate. And, And here's the thing. When I when I completed my master's, my dream was to come to Vancouver, Canada. Can- Vancouver was my dream city. Mm. You know, for a long time, it was my dream city. I imagined that one day I would buy a house here and stay here. It was my dream. So naturally, my plan was, oh, I'll just apply for a PhD in Vancouver. And then after my PhD, I'll find a job and I'll stay in Vancouver. So that's why I did my PhD in Vancouver. Mm. And so here I was from from Edinburgh. I flew to Vancouver. So excited. I'm in my dream city now. And I have a master's degree. I did try to look for work. I did. I did try to look for work. But here's the thing. I I didn't know how to think about what's important to me. I didn't know how to think about career planning. So I didn't know what I wanted. So that's why it was actually a relief to me to be accepted into a PhD program. Because it's a great way to put off off career decisions, right? It's a great way. Because now I have my next four or five years planned for me. And it's on my resume. There are no gaps in my resume because now I'm in a PhD program. But I'm also not thinking about what I really want because I wasn't taught how to do that. So that was that was really, really, really what happens. And most people don't think of that because you're because, you know, your your program and and our brains, our human beings will always act consistently with their programming. Always. Until so it's changed, until we <laughs> change it, like exactly. we have to realize what's going on and yes. then we can make a shift, but otherwise, exactly right. We're going to react. And even after you've logically realized that you still have to fight the programming because it's also not just logically um, written, but also emotionally written to yeah. change both. Yeah. So the subconscious mind is infinitely going to be more powerful than mm-hmm. the manual mind, the, the conscious mm-hmm. mind, mm-hmm. always be more powerful. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, so now I'm in my PhD program, and what happened was that was when I'm I'm a bit older now, right? I'm like mid twenties now, mid twenties. I'm in my PhD program, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking to myself, I, I'm a, I have a bit more self awareness. I have a little bit more life experience, not too much, but a little bit more life experience. I'm now thinking about my future a little bit more because I'm thinking, okay, I'm halfway to thirty. Right. So you're mature and you're thinking a little bit more. I'm more self-aware of my of, of me and I'm in my PhD program. And I start to realize that I started to really realize and be able to vocalize 
the gap in the education system. And being mm. vo- being able to vocalize something is very important because nothing uh-huh. exists in the world. Nothing exists in your world or in other people's worlds unless there is a word for it. Right. Right. So that was important. I was able to actually put words to what's missing in the in the education system. My vernacular started changing. My vernacular yeah. started to to mature and started taking shape. And I started to see this gap in the formal education. The the gap I just identified, of course, I'm able to say so much about it. <laughs> right. And and so I set on this this course to change to close the education gap. I wanted to close the gap. And this was during my PhD. I'm doing my research. I'm I'm fulfilling my requirements to graduate. And at the same time, I'm trying to close this education gap. And I did it by running seminars. I was running seminars, doing workshops, teaching people how to think about their careers, teaching them and showing them that there is a way to think about your career and what you want to do outside of the programming you've received from society or your, your teachers or your parents. And it was simply just teaching. I was teaching this. And when it, where, where my skills were lacking, I would bring in, some, bring in some speakers, partners that would come in and, and cover those topics. And one of the topics I covered was on career planning, on thinking about your own personal values, right? And then other topics were like financial literacy, and I would bring in partners to help me talk about it. Estate planning, wills planning, I would bring in mm. partners and lawyers to come in and help me fill in the gaps of my knowledge. And I did this for throughout my entire PhD. And, I, and then so I was doing this, and every time I held these seminars, the whole room would be filled with graduate students who were hungry to learn this information, or they didn't know it existed, but they were curious. And that's how I identified a market need. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, oftentimes we find that they're fulfilling our own needs. And so you're going about fulfilling your own needs, and then you're realizing, oh, I'm not the only one. Because it's, it's a very Western problem to have. I mean, at least half the globe has this problem. Yeah. This teaching that doesn't always so quite true. work. So I, I'm curious because I want to ask you then. Um, so when, if you're working with someone and they want to make either a career shift or, um, you know, a change in their lives, uh, do you ever, uh, suggest that they go back and get a degree or do you work with them for alternative methods first? What do you lead with today? Okay. So I, I, there's no cookie cutter response because it depends on the context of the situation. My, my clients come in and they bring me the content, right? They bring me their content, which means they tell me their work history. They tell me what's been, what's been working, what's not been working in their career journey so far. And I can't, I can't just have a a prepared response ahead of time and then just plug and play. It doesn't, it never works that way. So um, in relation to, do I recommend going back to school for a degree? I, unfortunately I have to say the cliche, it depends. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Because if you think about it, there are certain professions that require a degree. And the best example is if you want to be a criminal lawyer or if you want to be a physician or if you want to be, um, a an oncologist right Those not every re- not yeah. every career is a meritocracy although a lot more of them are than uh, i think we've been led to believe yeah exactly mm-hmm. so those if if someone tells me they want those specific professions then yes of course my recommendation is well you do need to go and go to to a college and get a degree in that subject area 
Because a criminal mm-hmm. lawyer, a criminal lawyer needs to go to law school and they need their law degree. However, if someone came to me and said, "I want to be working in the health profession because I value working, helping people in their health," that's very general. And in the health profession,、yeah. there are there are roles and job functions that don't require a degree. So then it's me working with them. So they provided that content. So I put a context around it and helping them to educe from them. What it is they really want in their life,、mm. mm-hmm. getting clarity, in other words, and then that is how the recommendations flow, right? Kind of getting back to that idea of finding your passion, or at least what you care about. Because if you don't care, you're not going to pay any attention to what you're doing. So I'm not, a, I'm not a proponent of pursuing passion. No, I'm not. I'm not either.、Um, yeah. Go ahead and say why, because I know we all have, I think, different reasons why we we don't、uh, love it. <laughs> in fact, in fact, I I I say don't follow your passion.、Mm-hmm. Don't do that.、Uh, okay, micro. What? Why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so a passion. If you think about the root word of passion, the word origin, it actually means suffering. Passion is suffering.、Mm-hmm. Why? Why is that? Because a passion is something that you have strong, intense emotions about that thing,、mm-hmm. and you have. And whenever it is a strong emotion, it is that part of your brain. It is the amygdala. It is the primitive parts of your brain that is in action here. Very primitive and primitive part because it was early in evolution that that brain area、mm-hmm. developed, and it's it exists there for a reason. It exists. To prevent, to protect you from threats and dangers, so you're in that mode of okay, strong emotional desire. So it's trying to protect you for something, but you're not actually your life is not actually in danger. But your brain doesn't know the difference. So passion is a strong emotion. Strong emotion passions because of the nature of a passion, they actually can change with the wind. Another aspect: people can have a variety of passions about something. And it's a myth that you need to change. You need to turn your passion into a career, because your passion could just simply, more wisely, just be a hobby that you want to have more of in your life. But it doesn't make sense to turn it into a career. Literally, it doesn't make sense. And also, there are people who tried so hard, and they're like, "I don't think I have any passions. I'm not passionate about anything. Is there something wrong with me?" And no, there isn't. Some people just aren't don't feel passionate about things. That's why I say, don't. Follow your passion. So this is why all writers are so miserable. <laughs> <laughs> Said as an author, okay. So I, yeah, I'm speaking <laughs> from a place of understanding. But <laughs> <laughs> yep, <They're>, cool. <laughs> so I would say, don't pursue passion. Instead, what you pursue is meaningful purpose. Yeah, and I've written, I have written extensively about it as well. So, I, at the beginning of the show, I was talking about the geeky guy. I'm glad that you came back to that and personal mission. And okay, all right, because I was really hoping I was just like, yeah, it's nice to to be have a natural interest in something and have a natural attention drawn to specific subjects,、mm-hmm. but. That is an internal thing, and for you to ever have a chance at being useful or having value to the market, you're going to have to figure out where you 
fall into place with those around you, right? So it goes from internal to external. And that's what I feel that purpose allows you to do once you understand where you fit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and u- utility is a very is a very interesting is a very interesting concept. Utility, right? Because mm-hmm. you, you mentioned usefulness, it just, so utility is very is very interesting. Because I I talked to a lot of people who graduated in the arts, and they said, "Well, I studied Renaissance art history, and it is something I'm very passionate about." There's that word again. I'm very passionate about it. I studied oh. it. I spent four years in it. I did a master's in Renaissance Renaissance art. Is it useful? So there's the utility. Right, <laughs> right. So, so that's what I mean. And I can, I mean, I can go into great lengths about it. But utility, and, and, this is where, and this is where people get stuck, is they're thinking in terms of usefulness, uh, technical usefulness, right? And, and connection with their passion. But then how does, uh, how does an artist produce something that the marketplace wants? Mm-hmm. So yeah. utility, right? The 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 thought of utility is very is actually quite expansive, but most people only have one def- definition of it, and that's why it's difficult to make that connection into a successful and a lucrative career. Mm. Right. So let's let's change gears a little bit. Let's back up. Something that I've noticed with a lot of folks is before they even get to the wanting to even consider going into a new degree or a new uh, a change of career or any of that they just they just feel like they're stuck in a rut and whether that's a small business owner whether that's someone that's in a corporate career they they just really have problems getting out of their comfort zone how do you get people to not only get out of that comfort zone but explore what's possible for themselves right it's first the intention. The intention is not that I'm going to help you get out of your comfort zone, right? So the, the framing is very important. When, when I start to work with someone, the goal is not to get them out of their comfort zone. If you set a goal like that, it seems kind of daunting and, and most would be unwilling. You know, mm-hmm. so the, pre, the framing is very important. That, that's not how I would, how I would frame what we're going to, what we're going to work towards, Right. So then that's the first thing is setting an intent, an intent that is inspiring, an intent that challenges him or her. Of course, that you have to feel a challenge, but also an intent that sets them up for success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? But there's there's also a space that I allow them to define the success for themselves, right? opening that space to be able to define it by asking them very pointed questions, very questions that adduce really what they want at the core of what they want for their lives, for themselves, and also for their families. Because I believe that a career isn't just something you do for yourself. It's also right. something you do for your loved ones. Well, and the reason I, I just simply bring that up is because a lot of times in the world, we're saying, if you want to achieve more than you, what you currently have, you got to get out of your comfort zone. And it's just like, is this one of those, those key phrases that we hear all the time, but it's like, you're right. You have to, you got to put context in there for them to see a possibility of getting out of their comfort zone. Yeah, absolutely. And the reason why I, I, I kind of like resisted that is because most advice out there is like that. You know, it, it's very facile. Like you have to be more productive, get out of your comfort zone. You have to start meeting right. people, right? And it's very facile, <laughs> right? And so, so we've been so programmed to hear that advice that when we do it, we don't believe it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Right. 
And it makes sense that people hear it and they don't believe it because you hear it so many times. It's like free advice now. And it kind of, and, and it kind of like puts, we, we have this lens now of looking for things that sound a little different because then it's more credible that it's going to work for me. Through, uh, and also through a lot of the work that I've done here on the podcast, talking to different individuals, as well as the client work and, and working with people that I work with, you know, there's a lot of people today that are, are kicking butt in their, in their 20s and early 30s. And for me, going through school, as long as I did, that was my entire 20s were shot. And, you know, now while I was in my 30s, it was the time that I was actually doing self-discovery and figuring that all, all out. You know, besides being blessed by having those mentors in their lives, are there any secrets to achieving the success at a, at a younger age? Okay, so here, here's what I would say about that. I would say that there are indicators of success and the indicators include like traits and characteristics of that young person that increase the probability of their success. Mm. And in terms of having mentors, you know, being in the right place at the right time, all of those cliches and, and, and seeing an opportunity, yeah. all of those help boost them to towards success. But applying all of those wouldn't work if the individual wasn't prepared for that opportunity. Mm. Right. So it comes right down to, well, first of all, you have to be prepared for it. I could come into to, to a young person's life being the best mentor I could be, and I could have all my connections behind me ready to give him or her opportunities. But if they're not the right person, no matter what, if they had a platter handed to them of, op- of the best opportunities out there, they may not be able to carry it through, n- not be able to follow through. It's because they haven't become the person to be able to do the thing. Right. So it, it, those, those young individuals have found some way to become so that they could be the right person when they put themselves in the right time and the right situation. Gotcha. So is there yeah. anything that us older folk can learn from that as, as far as like, what are some of the things that, again, we've already talked about getting out of the comfort zone, so to speak, and refining what that means to our own situation but besides that and just being like, oh, just a, I'm determined to, you know, make the best version of myself. I mean, <laughs> what, what, what how, how does someone get better at, at self-mastery, really, I, I guess is the question. Specificity. Mm. Yeah. So th- you have to be specific at what it is you're aiming for. What's that target? When you say self-mastery, that's so, that's like saying I want to learn marketing or I want to do internet marketing, internet marketing. Wow. There's so much, there's e-commerce, there's drop shipping. There's, you know what I mean? There's like, what, what is it that you want to master? So there has to be specificity. What are you aiming for? What does that look like? Write it out. There has to be a, a clear, a vivid image. What does that look like? Mm. Right. And when you have that image, then it's reverse engineering. What do I need to get there? What, are the traits I need to get there? What are the skills I need to have to get there? What are some of the habits I need to have that will help me get there? Like reverse engineering what that target is. But, it, but if you're not specific about it, if, there's, if, if it's not clear enough, then if it's, if it's foggy around, you know, the halo foggy of, 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 of fogginess, then 
it's, it's going to be difficult to be able to know how to get there. It's going to be difficult to carve the journey to get there. Mm-hmm. It's like we say, you know, success leaves clues. So even if you don't know, if you are in that halo of funkiness, let's say, um, and you don't know how to find the next step, find someone who has done the next step or who is where you want to be. Cause they'll know they'll be able to look back. And as you said, reverse engineer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Finding the, yeah. Finding person who has done the success you want it, but that also presupposes, you know, the success that you want. Yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> it goes right back to having that specificity. And that's, and that's the thing we, we all talk about another one of those facile advices, set goals, you know, set goals and track your goals. And so we all know we have to set goals, but then how many of us actually do it setting goals? Right. And, and of the goals you set, how many of those are very clear, very specific, and they have a, a, a date and time and location and, and they're mm-hmm. clear. They, yeah. The, the part a lot of people miss is they set the goal and then they don't realize they have to, as you said, reverse engineer into steps to get to that goal and make like, even if the goal is kind of vague, like publish my first book, like what? Okay. So what's the first step in that? Perhaps how do we break that down? Okay. Let's find a subject matter. Let's, you know, like you have to break it down into such minute steps. Um, just as you're saying others, you're not going to, you're not going to get anywhere because it's too vague. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay. So as we've been talking about career transitions and life transitions and, um, either getting focused on something new or really finding finally what, what one's purpose is and finding fulfillment in the work that they're doing. Um, you know, we, we, we joked earlier that career revisionist is a little bit of a mouthful, but it is quite spot on. And I would love, um, to just have the opportunity to learn more about these techniques, um, that you've developed that it sounds to me like kind of pull people down from the mountain and say, okay, like, let's just get down to the simplicity of it first, get clear on it. Um, and then fundamentally change their lives. Absolutely. I love that. It is a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> it's fun though. Like, I mean, why not? It makes you pay attention and that's good. We want people paying attention to our business names, right? <laughs> it is true. It's true. And in my mother tongue in Cantonese, the, the letter R does not exist. Mm-hmm. So, you know, someone who is English second language and Cantonese is their first language, they would have a hard time saying revisionist. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And here we are, Americans still having a hard time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Maybe we should okay. not have ours. <laughs> so if I may talk about that just a little bit, yes, career please. revisionist, career revisionist, what that means is for me, this is a global movement, mm. right? It is, right, I'm not, I'm not just building a business here. It is a global movement of Men, career-focused men and women. And a career revisionist is someone who is writing their own destiny. It is someone yeah. who, has, who has what I call vocational confidence. And what does that mean? Vocational confidence means knowing that you can have a career setback, but you know that you can reinvent yourself and your career. You know that you can get ahead your career again and again, no matter what's happening in the world outside of you. doesn't matter what's happening in the economy, if there's job postings out there, if people are hiring or whatever, it, you, you don't have control of those things anyway. But I show people how to have vocational confidence, meaning that they can navigate that and get back into their, the, that momentum in their career and get ahead in their career, no matter what's happening on the outside. Right. And it's about being able to command top dollars in the marketplace for their skills, 
while they're contributing their fullest in doing work that's meaningful to them. Mm. Mm. Um, as we're moving on here and heading towards the rapid fire question segment, I got to ask you what, I mean, based on what you're just saying there and what your vision is for career revisionist, uh-huh, I got it. Um, <laughs> what, what are you excited about in 2020, the, the year of vision as it were? That <laughs> It is the year of vision, isn't it? Yep. I'm excited. I'm excited for tech, new technology, right? There's a lot of movement happening in artificial intelligence. There's a lot of movement happening in technologies that are connecting with people across the world. The rise in remote workers is astonishing. Not surprising, mm-hmm. of course, but it's, it's, it's amazing. And all of this is happening. The connectivity in the world is, is rising. And I'm excited about 2020. I mean, it's not very long from now. It's, it's just around the corner. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm excited for that and the future as well as we gain this connection with one another. And it's going to be easier to connect. And the connection that we have over technology is going to feel so real. Right now, there's like a, a a fraction of a second delay. It's going to narrow and narrow, and it's going to be so so real time that we're not going to be able to feel it. We're going to be able to connect with people in ways that we haven't yet been able to do this year. So I'm really excited about that because I think the implications for the world of work are going to be phenomenal. The way that we can form strategic alliances, partners with other people, the way that we imagine work life life in general is going to be phenomenal. And that's what I'm excited about. Hmm. Love it. Yeah. So first rapid fire question is, and again, this is the segment where we ask you questions quickly, but you don't necessarily have to give us a quick response. Who are your three favorite influencers or teachers that have launched you to where you're at today? Keith Cunningham, Robert Kiyosaki, and I would say, oh, what's the third one? Michael Gerber. Mm. Okay. Cool. Name one thing that costs under $100 that has changed your life. A good meal. Word. <laughs> yeah. Uh, totally. anything, any, anything in specific? Well, I, I like Asian food. <laughs> mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because it brings you back from, to a place of gratitude. Mm. Right? That, that I'm here, I'm enjoying this meal, you know, and it's, I, I don't deserve it necessarily. I don't deserve the meal, but I, I have it. And it's like, don't, let's not forget the fundamentals. We have so much to be grateful for. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. We could get into a whole conversation about the travesty of people rushing while they eat. <laughs> well, that that and and just and not having an authentic moment when, yeah, when they are enjoying either the food or the company around the food. So, mm-hmm. uh, what happens regularly that would horrify a person from a hundred years ago? I would say that the fact that of how attached we are to our cell phones. Mm. Yeah. yeah 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 that's uh it's part of our brains anymore that's for sure <laughs> mm-hmm. 
All right. If you woke up tomorrow as your 10 year old self and all your memories were still intact, what would you do? Wow. There's so much I would do. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, going back to my story of when I was 10, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I guess fundamentally I would not give up on life. Yeah. But you didn't. Yeah. It felt, I mean, ultimately you didn't. I would double down on it. <laughs> You know, double down on life, knowing what I do now, you know, yeah. I think that I would, I would recognize that I've already won the battle if, if I have the, this mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And final question. What's the secret to achieving personal freedom? There's no secret. There's no secret. We all, because we already have personal freedom. Mm. Everyone, mm. everyone, everyone already has it. Mm. Love that. Well, Grace, again, thank you for spending some time with us today. Uh, again, you can be found at careerrevisionist.com. Where can people find you on the socials? There's links to the social there. I would say connect with me on LinkedIn. Just search Dr. Grace Lee Vancouver or Dr. Grace Lee Neuroscience and connect with me on LinkedIn. Excellent. Excellent. Mm. All right. Well, look forward Thank to you. all the awesome work you got, you're doing. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, this was a wonderful conversation. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. So there you guys have it. I'm really excited that we had the chance to talk to Grace. And that, you know, that conversation could have easily gone on for an hour or or more. And we just lightly brazed on a, on a topic that I think all three of us really find interesting. If you'd like to hear more from Grace, be sure to check out her podcast, again called The Career Revisionist. And in the show note extras, I have a few videos from her YouTube channel, which I think you'll get plenty out of. In the chat, we talked in detail about going to college and whether or not people in career transition should think about going that route. And in the first video, she goes over that a little bit more in detail. Uh, The next video is one about increasing confidence and whether you're working a traditional nine to five or simply wanting to be better at getting your brand out there. This is something we could all get a booster on from time to time. Then in the third video, she covers how it might be possible to be successful in our work, but not happy. And then how we can actually find that true career fulfillment. And finally, the last video is her sharing her thoughts on overcoming imposter syndrome And this, again, is a topic that I find a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with, even ones who have been in in business 10 years or more. So I thought it would definitely be a good one to share as well. Again, all these videos can be found via the show notes at newinceptions.com slash 161. And uh, yeah, speaking of session 161, that's it, guys. Remember, if you want a resource that will help you find your own true path, check out the resource and cover your personal mission. Uh, do so for free by visiting newinceptions.com slash personal mission guide. Again, that's newinceptions.com slash personal mission guide. Thank you for spending a little bit of time with us today, including my froggy self. As always, we appreciate you guys listening in. And until next session, dig in, have fun, and take care in whatever you're creating. And we'll see you back here next time. Thanks for listening to the Angles of Latitude podcast. Connect with us at home, at work, or on the go 
at facebook.com slash new inceptions, on Twitter at new inceptions, Instagram at new dot inceptions, and on the web at newinceptions.com.